not a special guest this week. Um, a musical genius. Um, he's given us hits. Um, his pen game is crazy. He's a singer. He's a songwriter. And I met, um, and I read to a producer, and I read somewhere that you used to rap too back in the day. Yeah, yeah, that's how I started. That's how I started. <laughs> um, you know, most uh, uh, really, really talented guy. He's been in the game for a minute, giving us hits. My brother Rico Love, got show him some love in the comments. Rico Love on the Flow Show, man. Thank you, my what brother. Up, what up? What up? What up? Tuning in, yeah. man. Thank you for joining, tapping in with us, man. No doubt. How, how, how's um how's things been for you, man? How's your day been going? How, how's your week been going? Man, it's been blessed, man. You know, I'm blessed to be able to do what I love every day. So, you know, even even if it's a bad day, even if it's a stressful day, it's a blessing because I'm doing what I absolutely love. You know what I mean? So the most in the world besides my children is this. So I get to have fun and make records and do business and be an executive and, you know, and do my thing. It, it's, it's, it's exciting. Mm. You know, you're, you're, such a, you're such a diverse um, singer, songwriter, producer, man. Um, you have a distinctive sound, you know what I mean? We know it's you when we hear you. Um, when did you first discover your passion, your passion for creating and writing music? When did that first, like, um, click to you? I, I started writing poetry when I was five years old. As soon as I learned how to write, I started writing poetries and writing rhymes and learning the patterns, A, B, A, B, A, A, B, B, like different type of patterns and, and writing schemes. So I think it was something that was innately you know, discovered, like I just something I just always felt and knew. And then when I started, you know, when I was a kid, I used to watch VH1 behind the music and I studied, you know, ACDC, Def Leppard, Ted Nugent, Marvin Gaye, Michael Jackson. My dad had a tape of Motown 25. And anytime, you know, I would be in New York with him, he would just, that's all he was into was Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, um, Smokey Robinson. He was just a Motown head. So I studied Motown. I studied Michael. I studied Marvin. I studied you know, Susan DePass and Barry Gordy. So as a small child, I kind of like innately was drawn to the idea of being a performer. And I had a, a gift for creating and writing and writing short stories and writing uh, uh, poetry and things like that. So it was something that kind of like was birthed in me. Mm. You know, being from um, Milwaukee <clears throat> and, and Harlem, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, can you, can you explain how, how, how these two worlds came together for you? Uh, my parents, when, um, my parents met in the military. So I was born in New Orleans. And when they, when they met in the military, my dad's from New York, my mother's from Milwaukee. So when they, when they were together, they were down in, in Louisiana. When they divorced, my dad went to New York and my mother went um, to, back to Milwaukee. And my parents, you know, I went back and forth between each parent. So it would be like half of the year. So, so my, my parents would meet in Toledo. And my dad would drive to Toledo. My mother drove to Toledo. They would, it was like a package. It was like a drug transfer or something. <laughs> and I would get in one car and go to New York. And then I would get, you know, come back and get in the car and go to Milwaukee. So it was a thing where I, it was something I got so used to. And I think um, my, uh, I don't have a really a real issue with detachment because of that. Because, you know, you have friends that you never see again. You know, this person might have moved away. We didn't have Facebook at that time. We didn't have IG and ways to keep in contact. So, so um, yeah, it was like that going back and forth, and it was an opportunity for me to see two different worlds. I'm talking about two, like a stark difference, like incredibly different worlds, but both of them all taught of me. Is, all, all of it's flashy, <laughs> all of it's yeah. get money, niggas, you know what I mean? All yeah. of them is all and, and, and Milwaukee is really rough and really tough and really grimy and really, 
you got to really be your head got to be on the swivel you know like which is in all places but it's something about that level of of savagery you know what i mean that it, it teaches you a lot by protecting yourself so in a way that was like a blessing to you yeah, everything, everything in life has been a blessing because I was able to kind of learn different cultures and being able to adapt um, musically. So if you listen to music I write, I could write in any genre. I could write for any artist from any coast, from any region because of my ability to adapt being right in the middle and going back and forth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So going back and forth between Milwaukee and Harlem, how did you end up in Atlanta? Like what pushed you kind of? Um, I went to college at I went to college at FAMU in Florida. So I met a guy um, named Vincent Cersei, who was my first ever manager who discovered me. And he lived in Atlanta. So I started going to Atlanta every weekend and we were trying to just get give me a deal. So I would literally catch the bus. It was $35 one way, $35 on the, on the return. And um, I would go every weekend. Like I missed out on all the parties and all that stuff because I was literally on a Friday, five well Saturday morning five a.m. I was on the bus at the bus station taking the bus to Atlanta, and I would come back Sunday night just so I could make it back to school. So um, every weekend I did that, and until they kicked me out of school, <laughs> it, was like, it was like it's not gonna work. <laughs> actually, I was getting actually it's crazy. I was getting straight A's in college, but um, financial aid they said I didn't have my financial aid together. We found out later that was false, but it was a blessing because. The weekend I got kicked out of school was when I got discovered. Wow. You know, it, it, it's crazy. I, I spoke to, um, I spoke to Drummer Boy a few weeks ago. That's my and, man. And his, his, his situation was kind of a little similar just with him traveling back and forth in the A and going back and forth to school and, and end up missing school and end up getting kicked out of school. So it's kind of, and then his, kind of his, his break kind of came after that too. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes I, you know, I think that, especially artists, um, music choose you. You know what I mean? Like you can choose it. So mm -hmm. sometimes you can be kind of going in a direction in life, and things just kind of just, you know what I mean? God just kind of spin you around into the direction that you know you need to go. Um, you know, we all know you from go back. You know, from from the pen game. We all know you from Usher, um, like on, on the early side in the beginning. But you were you were kind of understudying. You were kind of working with um, Jagged Edge, right? Too. I read that somewhere mm -hmm. that you had a history. You had a relationship with Jagged Edge. How did that relationship kind of kind of transpire? And what did you get out of that? Honestly, the Jagged Edge relationship was we be, just became joined at the hip. Like we just wanted to create music together. I, I would catch the bus to Atlanta and I would sleep on their couch on the weekends. And in the summers I would stay at their house and we would just do music all the time. And that's how I developed my pen. So yeah, me and Jagged Edge was a blessing because I was able to partner with my guys. And actually how I met Usher was because Usher was looking for producers and my guy Ed Long came to me and said, yo, came to them and said, yo, he looking for producers, why don't y'all produce this? He gave them an acapella to a song called If I Want To, you know, and they wanted to remix it. I remember back in the day, everybody was doing remix albums. J-Lo had one, J-D had one, Murder, Inc. had one. So they would do remix albums. Usher was going to do a remix album for 8701, and he asked them to produce it, produce one of the songs. When he produced, when they produced it, I rapped on it, and that's when he heard me. 
So it was like all of these relationships mean so much. It was Jagged, Corner Boys, Usher. Like all of these things kind of came together. And Atlanta was an incredible scene. Like we were all struggling trying to make it. It was myself, it was T.I., it was Jock, it was Carrie uh, Hilson, it was Keisha Cole, it was Sierra. It was, you know, we were all up on the Tricky Stewart and, and, and B. Cox and, and Jazzy Faye were on top of the game at that time. And we were like their understudies and, and sleeping on floors and studios and trying to make it. So that whole community that Atlanta breeded and as far as the hip hop and R&B scene was incredible. And it was incredibly important starting with Jagged and how it kind of like, it was like a, a, a tentacles that kind of spread out in different directions and everybody kind of made it in their own respective way. But I think that um, Jagged was like the introduction to me as far as the Atlanta, mu Atlanta music scene. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. Salute to Jagged Edge, right? Um, sure, man. You know, when, when you started to, when you started to work with Usher, what was that process like? Um, at the time, at the time was, because he was Usher, right? He was Usher at the time? He was yeah. Usher that we know today at that time? Yeah, like, yeah, it was, I met Usher after 8701. So it was in between 8701 and Confessions. So he was a huge star, a mega star. And then during the process of making Confessions was when um, I would come to his office every day and say, I needed money. And he was like, yo, which, you know what I mean? So he said, look, I'm not gonna give you no money, but here's this beat that Just Blaze did. He told me, yo, I want you to write a rap to it and I'm gonna make it a song. But then my manager, Cersei said, nah, don't write a rap, write a song. So first song I ever wrote was, was Throwback on the Confessions album. And I sat in the car. You ever wrote ever? Ever. So I sat in the car and I wrote it, I wrote it, um, in the phone, it was a flip phone. I sang into the the uh, memos and the flip phone, and I gave it to this guy named JQ Smith, and JQ demoed it for me because at that time I didn't sing, so I just sang good enough to get the idea out. JQ demoed it for me, and I played it for Usher, and they lost their mind. They didn't they didn't expect it. They thought I was gonna write some raps, and they were gonna mm. take it and do some stuff. And you know, and honestly, I think he probably just didn't even think it was gonna be nothing. He probably was like, let me give him a shot, but I really don't have you know what I mean. <laughs> And, right, uh, right. You need this bread. I'm gonna make you work for it. Yeah, or figure out <laughs> something to do to, to you know, so I can say I, at least I gave you a shot. So um, I did that, and then um, they loved it. We ended up cutting the record. And L.A. Reid, shout out to L.A. Reid, is because it wasn't gonna make the album at one point. And then L.A. Reid made a call and said, make sure that album, that song makes the album. So the fact that I got a, a label deal at, over at Hitco with L.A. Reid right now is like full circle because he's he doesn't even know that, you know. Um, Unknowingly, he's the reason for my career to be here today. For me to be here today. Yeah. Um, you, with all of the records, right, that you've done for Usher, Beyonce, Mario, Trey, and you branching out and, and, and doing music yourself as well, coming out as an artist, were you ever like, damn, I should have kept that one for me? No, no, no. Were there ever records that you kind of wish that you kept for yourself? No, not even because every song I made for me was very intentional. You know what I mean? I, everything was it, it had an emotional attachment. You know what I mean? So um, I didn't just write songs for me. Every every song that I've been made for myself as a solo artist was extremely personal. Extreme. It wasn't just about a hit. It was about does this feel like what I'm feeling right now? And for me, making a record for myself was never about money. It was about in a way of expressing things that I couldn't feel, that I didn't feel I was safe to express uh, verbally to, to people around me. 
So I knew that this was a place for me to be able to create and and get all these feelings out. It was more about my mental health more than anything, making these records for myself. So it was like a therapeutic for you. Mm. You know, how do you create the balance, right, between working with other artists and working, you know, working and managing yourself in your career? How do you create that balance? Honestly, right now, I'm, I'm only focused on working on my artists that I've signed. I signed a lot of artists. And I'm, I'm really interested in developing my record company. So, you know, it's rare. I'm, I'm doing some sessions this weekend for some from other people. But for the most part, it's really about me developing it and, and putting together my own record company and building. Because I look at all the hits I've written and all the success I've had for other people. And I did well in life, so I won't complain. I'm blessed. But I think about it. What if a fraction of that would have been just for my own artists and a fraction of my success would have been for my own artists. I think that um, we'd, we'd be in a different, different. We have we'd be having a different conversation right now. So I think that um, I do have an ear and an eye for talent, and I want to use that gift and help others, and also you know help build my dream and my brand because I've always had, I've always admired Puff, I've always admired uh, Russell and and Andre Harrell and and Clive Davis, L.A. Reid, Sylvia Rome. So you know I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to go into um, boardrooms and, and know that I broke this artist, this artist, this artist under my own umbrella, under my own, you know, blanket. So that's that's my new mission right now. So there's no separation right now because I'm just really focused on writing and producing and, and developing my own artists. Division One Music Group. Yep. Um, I, I see um, an artist that you're working with, um, Mia, Mia, Mia Ariana, Mia, right? Mia Ariana, yeah. Um, talk about the work with her, which I got cooking up. Oh, she's incredible, bro. Like she just she's a jewel. She's just an incredibly talented individual who has this dynamic personality. And and it's like she's like a Lambo with super torque. You know what I mean? You gotta know how to drive it, because it'll get away from you. And I think all stars are like that. Because if you don't know how to handle it and point it the right direction, it could crash. And I think that she has an incredible ability to connect with the audience and it's just about content consistently putting out the content for people to get to know her but we released a project called i'm a good girl do you believe me march 5th and it's doing incredibly well um it's just the beginning for her so we just got to keep putting out content keeping our music um i'm in the process of working on another project for her so i'm gonna i'm not gonna i'm just gonna keep putting out content on all of my artists keep building them and building them and building them and telling the story until people get it we're in a new world where you know you can't count on this one incredible song to do it for you. It might not be the thing that breaks you. You have to really understand that it's just a long game. But when it pays off, it's it's a it's an incredible, consistent lifetime residual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, I can't wait. I can't wait to see um, <laughs> all of the work that you got cooking with her. Man, I see her, uh, her bubbling. And, like, what are you looking for when it comes to artists? Um, new artists. What are you it's a thing you can't put your finger on. It's like when you walk in the room, when they walk in the room, you just know, you just feel it, you just see it. And um, presence, tone, vocal ability, uh, skills, if you're a rapper, you gotta have the ability and tone, ability to translate the message. But more than anything, it's this it factor. And anytime an artist walks in the room, you gotta be able to feel it and know. I've had artists that I've met via the internet on a computer, on a Zoom. And I said, no, nah, she's the one. 
you know, that artists like that where I've, that I've signed that I looked at on the computer and said to myself, this is a superstar. So it's some things that you can't even put your finger on. It's some things that just, they just got it. They just have it. You know, with a lot of artists, right, um, creating with social media, creating with, you know, doing live shows and different things like that, creating kind of like their brand on their own. Do you think that major labels are like becoming a thing of the past? Because you see everyone, it's like independent labels these days, no. quote, unquote, like indie labels. Do you think that's becoming a thing of the past? Nah, they got too much money. They got too much money. They 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 will never be a thing in the past because they'll just write a bigger check. And at the end of the day, the only way they'll ever be extinct is if people understand the power that they have. And most people won't because we're so we're struggling. Uh, we as a people are struggling, and we are the creative force behind everything in the world. So as long as we struggle, record companies will survive because they'll be able to cut us a check to change our mind about anything we ever said or felt. It's it's just the way it is. It's few of us. Who can really who is super about things? But for the most part, a check will change their mind. You know, I know it's a thing too where um, I've seen artists that they're independent. The next thing you know, you see that they're on the label too. So I think it's a it's a um, yeah. A lot of times they be saying they're independent, but the look, they'll still it's, it's a promotion. It's like it's a because, it's a going up. Yeah, yeah. A lot of kids don't want to attach themselves to artists who are signed. They want to be fans of you feeling like you already, you, you, they grinded with you, you know what I mean? So they want to believe that story. So a lot of times, I remember I was arguing with this girl who was interviewing me years ago and she was like, I love our future because they're independent. And I was like, whoa, whoa, they're not independent. They signed to Columbia. No, they're not, they're independent. I was like, they signed to Columbia. Now, I had to look on the stuff and I saw that they didn't have the Columbia logo on a lot of things. But at the end of the video, you saw Columbia. And I thought it was genius because they understood that their audience respects them more if they feel like they were doing it themselves. And and I'm looking, I'm like, look at these visuals. You think the kid who's living in his mother's basement and got no money and no funds is, is producing and shooting million dollar videos? No, somebody's funding it, somebody's backing it. So um, I think that uh, this new generation, the way they receive things is based more on the perception, the idea of who you are. And not in a sense of back in the day, it was like, how big can you be, right? When I saw Puff and, and Biggie riding backwards in the Bentley Azure, I was like, that is what I want to be. In this day and age, it's like, we want to be in the basement with you, eating popcorn, watching a, a little tiny TV and come up with you from that point. If we see you, if you already upstairs in the big house, we don't want to be involved. We want to see the, we want to see the grind. And I think that's fine. I think that that's incredible to be able to know that we could actually grow with our audience. So I encourage all of my artists to understand that grind and say it takes time. And over time, they'll be able to trust you. People don't care what you know. They want to know that you care. And when they remember how much you care and they look at you and say, we was with you, we watched you grind, we watched you struggle, you care. You care about this because I saw you doing shows with just 10 people in the crowd and you kept performing. I saw you come to my city and perform in my homecoming and they booed you. I saw you get on stage and open up and be the opening act at the summer jam and you got booed off the stage. I saw you doing a show at South by Southwest and nobody clapped, they just were staring at you the whole time. And then a year later, I saw you on top. They don't care what you know, they wanna know that you care. And as long as you care enough to invest in yourself, then they wanna invest in you. But if it looks like it's ready made, 
they don't they don't I don't think they're gonna attach themselves to a bank. Facts. You know, how do you feel about like the current state of R and B? You know, this is like a big thing that everyone keeps talking about and it's like R and B is dead, R and B is only on, you know, urban is only going to urban AC and different things like that and hip hop is kinda of dominating things. Do you think that it's just uh because I feel like it's kind of a circle. I think things are gonna kinda of like turn back around, but how do you feel about just the current state of R and B with I don't, I don't think that's true. I think if you look at if you look at Gibeon, if you look at Division, if you look at uh, her her one song of the year at the Grammys. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not talking about R and B song of the year. I'm not talking about she won song of the year at the Grammys. Her also won an Oscar. Uh, LMA, Gibeon, Daniel Caesar, Tiller, uh, it uh. Look at look at blast, like I don't know if that 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 R and B dead conversation can really even hold up right now because there's so many people, there's so many artists. You know, so I, many. you know what I think it is though. I think it's I think what it is is that it's not getting the attention that people really look for. You have but but, but it's all a bubble. It's bubbling. It's bubbling. It's like what R and B is right now is what trap music was. For a while, it was just was bubbling. And I think that it's so much, and 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 then you got to redefine. Look at look at Six Black. Like look at you got to redefine what you think. Look at like Don Tolliver. Look at Saint John. Is that actually hip hop? It's pretty R and B to me. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't necessarily believe that. I just think that people aren't giving enough thought to understand. I think what they traditionally knew as R and B. No, it's not Boys to Men. No, it's not gonna be Jodeci. No, it's not gonna be. You know, it's just a different energy. And it's still soul and substance in that, you know. It's still a lot of of, of Snow Allegra. It's still a lot, of, you know. It's, it's some artists out here that are incredible and making some incredible music that have incredible audiences. I just think people need to understand the evolution of R and B as opposed to saying, "Oh, it's not the same." You got to grow in this shit. If you ain't willing, to, if you're not willing to grow with this, and and, and understand that everything not gonna sound and feel the same. You're gonna be angry a long time, and I had to get over that. Yeah, many years ago, I had to start understanding. Like, all right, bro, either you're gonna play the game and change it, or you're gonna be the guy standing outside the wall throwing stones at the castle, saying, "This is not the castle I'm used right. to." Right, because everything changes, nothing stays the same. And I, yeah, I, um, I was speaking to uh, my guy from you know I got sold the other day, and I was like, "Listen, bro, it's it's not that it's dead. It's it's not getting with some with some artists that you may know may not be getting." attention but it's there but you but, but I, mean? I think i think they are getting they getting the attention like i'm i can name you 25 artists who are selling out their venues and and working to build the audience it's not an overnight thing just the same way it wasn't for edm now how long it took edm to come to the forefront and then they stayed on top you see how hard it took trap music to stay see how long it took drill music to come up over time it bubbled one person takes off Look at look at R and B. Look at the charts. Look at urban urban radio. Look even even if you look at rhythm radio. Look at how many R and B influenced artists or even R and B records are living on those charts. Now, is it a lopsided number because of the number of um, hip hop records? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's lopsided because it's much easier to get in the stu studio and just say ba 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 and then go crazy and go platinum. But it's just so different when you look 
look at what what R and B what it takes to make an R and B record, it's gonna be very it's gonna be fewer artists because of how much goes into creating those type of records. But I don't think it's a situation where it's it doesn't have a home or it's just not getting the it's getting it's getting like no like Grammy song of the year is was an R and B song. That's big. That's, That's big. big. You know, another thing is people look for it in specific artists. So people are going to. Yeah, they want their old favorite artists to, to be able to still be on top. To, give them, to, to deliver them that, that feel. I get it. Chris Brown, Chris Brown's still doing Chris Brown. And he's still doing Chris Brown numbers. Mm -hmm. And he got, he got a whole album with, with Young Thug. And Young Thug is singing on the whole album. So you can't say R&B's dead because R&B lives in so many different artists. They just call themselves something different. I've never heard Roddy Rich rap. I've only heard him sing. I have never heard him rap. Yeah, you're right. But you call him a rapper. <laughs> well, right? a, lot, a, lot, a lot of rappers are singing nowadays. Yeah, even 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 track star people don't understand. That's a rap. That's an R&B song. People not consider him a rapper, yeah. but he's not. He's he's singing. Not, not at all. And, and and what I'm saying is, so so show me a record. Show me a record where Young Thug is rapping. He's singing every time he opens. He's singing. Mm. So it's like it's Rod Wave. Show me a record with yeah, Rod I, Wave. Yeah, I don't know why category as a, as a he's rapper. he's a, it's because of the content. It's because of the content feels gutter street, then it feels that way. What about the new kid from North Carolina who the fat kid who got that dope record? Quicksand. Moray. Yeah, yeah, Moray. Yeah, he's singing too. They consider him a rapper. He's <laughs> singing on the whole record. So R and B can't die. All these guys are making R and B records. Just in a different way. From what mm -hmm. people are used to. Um, you know, Rico, your, your your dedication to the game has been super serious, right? What has been what has been one of the biggest sacrifices you would say that you made for that for this? Um my time, my sleep. I don't sleep much. I don't. I don't. I'm kind of obsessed. I have a hard time getting to sleep. I, I wake up really early. I sleep really late. Um, I think that my mental health has has taken. I haven't spent many. I spent many years not focusing on my mental health, and I think that um, because of that, because of the music and the sacrifice you have to make to wear this many hats, I mean, I'm so obsessed with with the victory and winning, and bringing the music to the culture and making sure that I don't let I don't leave. The culture alienated. I think that that part is kind of like that's the toll it takes because mentally, you don't give yourself a break. So I tr I want to try my best now to kind of, you know, uh, do more to protect myself and protect my mental health. That's the biggest sacrifice. Like you could really lose your mind. You could really do everything for everybody, and they'll have the hand and have the hand are looking at you like, well, why you didn't do this? You know what I mean? And that, that part of it is like difficult, especially when you're dealing with artists in a world where nothing is good enough and then nobody has accountability. But we can't expect princes to be paupers. A pauper is going to be a pauper, you know? So when you're a king, when you're a prince, when you're a priest, you have to understand that your job is your condition to take care of the multitude. And when the multitude doesn't, when everything falls apart, another king will look and say, how do we build this back up? But a pauper, a subject is going to say, who else can I serve? Because yeah. this kingdom is falling. 
that's the pressure on the king is understanding that everybody around you who you fed who you took care of who you clothed who you facilitated gave, gave opportunities for them to earn if the castle were to fall today their I, their first mind the first mind wouldn't say how do we rebuild the castle they'll say this castle has fallen i need to find another king to serve as what other kings will say what can we do to rebuild this castle problem is another king will have his own castle <laughs> So you, you're not going to be able to build with too many kings at one time. Most of the time, it's a king over here, a king over there, a king over there, and each got to worry about themselves. So that part of the game will cause for you to lose your mind because everybody can put up with all of your flaws when everything is going right. The second is going wrong. Everything that you've always done is unacceptable now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that pressure, so if you want to ask me the biggest sacrifice, yeah, sacrifice taking care of my own mind and my own self and my own soul. I got to be able to understand how important that is and how important it is for me to love myself and understand that I'm, I'm valued beyond what I could do for somebody. Absolutely. Self-worth, self-love is important. Yeah. Man. Love anyone else unless you love yourself. Absolutely. Times, people try to give love to other people but don't love themselves. That's a fact. You know, a producer sent me this question earlier, um, aspiring producer. I almost forgot to ask you. And he said something pretty much about like, you know, often in the industry, you know, producers and songwriters um have a hard time getting getting what's owed to them, right? Off records. Like you create records, you have a hard time getting what's owed to you. Has this ever been something you face and what's what's a way that a producer, a songwriter can secure, you know what I mean? Secure their own. I mean, every, every situation is unique. A lot of people are so anxious and eager to get on that they'll sign anything or they'll do anything without doing paperwork because they just want to hurry up and do it. And that's the wrong way to go about it. A lot of people will say, well, I didn't get what I just do, but did you, did you make sure that you would? Nobody owes it to you to do right, proper business. And me personally, I'm not doing business with nobody if it's shade. I'm not going to put in nothing that got to do with me taking it from you more than right. I deserve. But everybody not built like me. A lot of people don't care what you get and what don't care what you have. They're going, it is what it is. But the question is, did you do your due diligence? Did you do what you were supposed to do to make sure that you, your bag was secure? If you didn't, a lot of times the responsibility is on you. Now, there are situations where people have been bamboozled and taken advantage of. That is very true. But a lot of cases, people haven't done their due diligence in the beginning. And they, they allowed themselves to be left out when it's time to eat. Because they were so eager. In the beginning, everybody's so happy and want to get on. I 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 want to be associated. I want to be. And then before you know it, you're lending yourself to people who are taking advantage of it and not compensating you for that. A lot of times you got to look at yourself and say, how eager was I? Was I too eager? Was I so eager that they felt like he'll do anything? She'll do anything. So I don't have to pay. She just want to be in the room. He just want to be in the room. You know what I mean? I don't want to be in no room so bad that it take away from my children livelihood. Imagine looking up and seeing somebody make billions of dollars and you don't get any of it and your children got to suffer off, off something that you put together. I couldn't live with myself. So at the end of the day, I can't be so hungry for something, so thirsty for something that I miss out on the, the, the business side and understanding how it all works. And, and there's no excuse in these days. Too much information on it. Anybody, who's, anybody, who says, anybody who says I didn't know is because you didn't want to. <laughs> this is not 1940. You literally can Google everything. You really can look up and ask any question and go to any conference and do anything. A lot of times people don't want to take that time because they're rather, because like I said, 
princes ain't paupers. You know what I mean? Kings ain't subjects. And if you if you operate from the subject state state of mind, then you just want everything to be laid out for you. And if it's if it's not, you know, then you fuck. Ain't nobody gonna hold up like coffee for you. Nah, bro. Not you until not until you, not until you get it, and then when you get it, <laughs> then, then they gonna roll out for you. But in the beginning, ain't nobody thinking about it. You know, you we go love, right? So it's I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's probably different for you today. What it used to be like when it comes like when you, let's say you have a record, right? And you want to get into an artist, you have to you don't have to go, still go through the same kind of channels of like submitting a record. You no. Know, it's, it, do you still have to go kind of through the same process with, no. with your work and your history? It's so no, different. no, no. Uh, uh, if I can't get in contact with you directly, then I just, I'm not auditioning my music for anybody. But what I do is I, I don't send out my music to people. I don't say, I did this song, let's send it out to everybody and see who bites. No, never been my way. My, my Absolutely man, not. No, I'm saying, my, like you know artist. No, no, nobody. To... No person. If I can't get in contact with you direct, I'm just not getting the record. Also, I kind of, I kind of, the whole idea of shopping music and getting doing this, and I think this person should do it. I'm, I'm over that. I just want to make music for the, for the artists around me and people I believe in, and get them so strong that I don't have to look at it any other way except outside of my circle. And that's a process that takes time. That's not something that happens overnight. That's a, that's a couple of years in the making it. But when you get there, Lord, you you you're, on t you're like it's different. It's a different. It's levels, and that's that's a certain level. You know, you released that project a couple of years ago, um, and you had a whole you had a whole bunch of new artists on there. I was mm -hmm. hearing it, and it was dope. And I think the process you did something where you you, you paid the artists or something like that up front, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, you did that project. Like, was that kind of like the beginning of you saying, "Hey, listen, I want to go ahead and branch off and start my own label"? Honestly, I didn't want to. I wanted to make a, a new way of releasing music. I didn't want to sign any artist directly to me. That was the reason for doing it. I was going to pay each artist five grand each. Well, I did. I paid each artist five grand each. And I wrote and produced a song. So it's not like I'm paying them five grand for their, their songs. It's my song. I written, wrote and produced it. I paid them each $5,000. I had seven to eight girls on the, on the record. I put it out as Rico Love Presents Emerging Women of R&B. And I went to create a series. I wanted to create a series. I still want to create a series of things like that. But then in making that, I ran across me, Ariana. And that's when I was, that's when I said to myself, this girl's too big. Like she's too big for me not to sign her. And I had really never wanted, I didn't want to sign any more artists. But I, I, I was like, she, too, to pass up on. she was too big. Her energy was too big. It was one of those things where it was like, if I walk away from this, I know that somebody else is going to sign it. It's going to be big, and I'm going to be able, I'm going to say I was right here and I didn't do it. So yeah, she was too big to walk away from. So, Where's she from? She's from um she originally from Rochester, but she grew up in um Charlotte. Charlotte, Charlotte. Yeah. I, I just spoke to Anthony Hamilton the other day. He he managing some artists out of Charlotte too. No worries. Got a lot of Charlotte got a lot of um a lot of gems in Charlotte. Yeah man. Yeah man. You know, yeah. Um, this versus thing, right? It's popping. We all see it. Would you ever do something like that on a on a songwriter producer scale, artist scale? Would you ever do versus? No, no, I wouldn't do a versus. The only reason is because um, after you after they did Babyface and Teddy Riley, I was like, you can't, I can't, you can't do that now. Like, what? How do you follow? 
you know what I mean? I think anybody at this point on the production side, you got to, you got, I mean, there's a lot of guys who still, I think Mike Will and Mustard would be an incredible mm -hmm. matchup, something like that. But I just feel like, and obviously with Mike Will and, and me and Mike Will and Mustard, we do different things. But I just think out of respect for the legends, it would be ridiculous. It's like if, it's like, it's like if you got Michael Jackson, right? And then Michael Jackson performs. And then they say, all right, cool. After Michael Jackson performed, we would like such and such to perform. What? I can't follow who, Michael Jackson. Who the hell, who the hell goes after you Michael You can't follow Michael. You can't follow Beyonce. So at the end of the day, I don't feel like I would be comfortable following uh, Teddy and, and Babyface. This wouldn't make sense for me. And I have a lot of hits. So it's not like I couldn't do the 20 plus songs. But it's about... They just had Babyface and Teddy Riley. Like, like I don't want to, I can't find <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> and especially how how brutal people in the comments are. Like, people are, you know, you understand that people sit around, they don't have nothing else to do but just criticize you. So I just think it wouldn't end well. It, wouldn't be a, it would be a PR disaster. <laughs> I think you're the first person I asked what they do versus and kept it all the way 100 and said, no. Yeah, like, I just say people I just I gotta be a buck. I just, it's just too much. Like, Babyface, come on, Babyface and Teddy Riley. You know that they could do each, each of them could do four more verses. Like, you know that. Like, they could do four yes. or five more verses with 20 brand new songs that yes. wasn't played in the other ones. That wasn't even released. Yes. And then, even, and I feel like in verses, they did most of the songs that people know on the RB scale, but they have music for different genres that they produced and that we didn't he didn't do none of the madonna songs none of them records think about it teddy only did like one michael song like it's crazy like he did jam and like so many records black and white and it's he didn't do a lot of records mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know i ask i ask everyone that come on here what do you want your legacy to be i'm gonna ask you the same thing what do you want your legacy to be good person that's it I teach my kids every day, what does daddy want you to be? A good person. That is it. Everything else means nothing. Are you a good person? Because all of the records, all of the money, the big houses, the cars, if when you die, somebody else gonna be fighting over it. But what were you to people? How did you make people feel about themselves? Not how do you make them feel about you, because that's easy. How did you make them feel about themselves? And I just want to be a good person. I want people to say he was good. He was a good person. And that's after that, everything else, I'm good. Whatever else anybody else say. <laughs> Whatever else, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Mia's me, me, me on the check-in. Oh, check Mia's here? What's up, Mia? Um, you know, Rico, man, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything that you, thank you for everything you have given to the game, man. We salute you, we respect you. Everyone on the check-in, you showing me a lot of love in the comments. Um, the work you have done, it's there, self-explanatory, um, and the work that you continue to do. Um, thank you for putting on for new artists, you know what I mean, as well. And, you know, being the guy you are, you don't have to do that. You know what I mean? You see a lot of you see a lot of artists, producers, singers, songwriters come up and kind of just keep it moving. You know what I mean? And stick whatever, stick to the formula that they know, stick to what's getting them their bag. You know what I mean? And taking new artists and putting them under the wing and giving them the support, you know what I mean? We salute you for that, and we, and we can't wait to see what else you do, my brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for having me on. 
Shout out to Sleep Man. Can we see some of the um some of the wall art? Oh. Amazing. Just one Amazing. of the rooms. I see it. We got uh, we got other rooms for that too. <laughs> rooms on rooms. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, man. Thank you, thank you. Everyone, thank y'all for tuning in, man. This is Rico Love, the Flowway Show. If you miss any of the conversation, it will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio at midnight. Thank you, my brother, man. Stay safe. Thank you, Shout bro. Shout out to Mia, Ariana. What's what's the what's the project? Shout out to project. Oh, Mia's like project that. is currently out. It's called "I'm a Good Girl." Do you believe me? We're working on new music as we speak. And um, I'm excited about all of the future stuff for her. And, and she's just incredible. She'll be performing. Anybody in North Carolina on the 19th of this month, she'll be performing for the Black Party, WPEG in Memphis, June 19th. It's from 12 to 2. She's going to be doing her thing. So I, I'm excited about that. I'm actually going to fly up and be with her for that show. So y'all come out. Dope, 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 dope. Salute, King, man. Stay blessed, man. Blessing, blessing. Thank right, you, bro. See you soon. All right. Peace.